Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. We're gathering around our Lord Jesus today, yeah? And so this morning, I'm going to take us through some things because... uh, you know, any time we walk through a challenging situation or you have other circumstances in your life that are, that are challenging, you know, there, there's a time where we, you know, we, have, we talk things out, we process, you know, we have to kind of work our way through those things. And that's very important that we do that. And that'll be, you know, happening a little bit at the end of the second service. Uh, but there comes a point in time in, in all of the seasons of life where something, like a switch flips and there's something inside of us uh, we have to acknowledge at a certain point in time, um, talking isn't as effective as seeking Him, and, and processing isn't nearly as effective as praying. Uh, the scripture says in James that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And so for some time we've been working towards today, which is a, kind of a launch of a series that we're doing here at Vine Life called Circle Maker. And for some time we knew that the Lord was leading us into uh, a focus, a season of prayer. You know, we haven't done a whole lot of sermon series this last year. We've kind of let a lot of speakers bring really fresh words for every Sunday morning. Uh, but this is one of those times where we felt for some time, yeah, we're going to press into this um, because we believe if, if it's true that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, that means a, a praying church is a powerful church. And, uh, and, and so what we're asking God to do and what we believe God is doing is he's letting prayer just become as natural as breathing. And in every step we take, in every breath we take, there's something inside of us that says, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you thinking about right now? God, here's what's on my heart. Here's what's going on. And it's, it's the way we live. It's the air we breathe, right? And... Prayer is the posture that just reminds us who we are and who he is. It's the posture that reminds us, man, at the end of the day, we, we need God. And we need him in our lives and in our families and in our homes. And, um, and, and, and what I'm talking about and what I believe is important for us to know about prayer, specifically even for this morning, is that uh, it's not just an activity reserved for times of crisis. Do you guys understand uh, do, do you realize that uh, it, it doesn't take a genius to, sh- to send out a prayer into the universe when things, you know, when, when, uh, uh, when things hit the fan, right? Um, it, it doesn't take a genius. You don't have to be a Christian to pray in a time of crisis. It's not what we're talking about. And surely in those circumstances, uh, you know, we're invited to, and the Lord entreats us to pray to him boldly. But I think what we're talking about is going a step further, because even outside of the circumstances in our life and the times of intense need in, in our lives, I believe what the Lord is inviting us into is, uh, is, is to contend with and to pursue uh, the unseen realities of the kingdom to be made known and to be made manifest in our lives and in our region and in our day. And that means paying attention to the promises of God and the dreams of God that he deposits in our hearts and praying to that end to partner with everything he's thinking about and every dream that comes from his heart. So that takes it beyond, God, I'm going to come to you when I need something from you, but God, I believe that you've 
planted something deep inside of me, and I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to keep this before you. I'm going to press into this as long as I need to in order to see your hand and your faithfulness in my life and in my family and in my day. And we're really grateful to, to be able to kind of launch into this conversation over the next few weeks. And I think this is even really timely for us today with some of the stuff that's on our minds. Uh, yeah, we're grateful for uh, pastor and author Mark Batterson. He pastors in Washington, D.C. He's got a phenomenal ministry, the meet in theaters all across D.C., very well respected in many streams. And, and he uh, wrote this book a couple years ago called The Circle Maker. It was just, just a, a wonderful word picture for what it looks like to be bold in our prayers and big in our, in our dreams. And, uh, and so we're kind of teeing off with some of his language in this book, and by no means are we dissecting this book as we would the Word of God. What we're hoping to do, though, is to use some of the common language as kind of a, a, a platform or a launching pad for our own conversations. And when we leave this place here today, that we're asking those questions, God, what are the promises of God? What are the promises that you've brought into my life, into the life of my family? God, what are the dreams that you've put inside of me? God, what are the miracles? that you called us to believe for. And I think those are going to be very important questions over the next several weeks. And I got to tell you, I'm excited because I think that we're going to have some awesome breakthroughs in the realm of bold prayers and big dreams over the next several weeks and beyond. Yeah, is anybody, is anybody uh, okay with that? <laughs> okay. And so with that, I, I kind of want to just launch into a story. Um, you see, there's a story of a man named Honi who lived the generation before Jesus, and the story is captured in, in the Jewish Talmud. Uh, and there's a legend of this man named Honi. And, and you know that the generation before Jesus was an important time in Jewish history because this was uh, the intertestamental period. Uh, not, a, not a high point in, in uh, Jewish history in the sense of we're in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You've got about 400 years there. And, uh, and, and it doesn't look like God is really doing a whole lot. Uh, the last of the Jewish prophets had died off. They hadn't seen miracles in a while. Uh, God has, has, has more or less been silent. Uh, at least his, his silence has been perceived by everybody in that way. And, uh, and not only that, but we read that in that time, a drought had really devastated the land. They were in need of, of a miracle from God. And so while some of the people in that day uh, well, they, well, they knew that they weren't hearing from God. Some, some and, and few really believed that God could still hear from them. And so this man named Honey, uh, one day, he, he went out into the, the center of the city there in, in Jerusalem, and he took his six-foot staff, and he went out into the sand, and he drew a circle around himself. And he uh, got down in the middle of the circle while everybody was watching, and he just prayed this really bold prayer to God. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And it, it was kind of, just you just got to picture the story of Elijah when Elijah calls fire out from heaven. It's in the same way Honey bows down and said, God, I, I'm going to stay here as long as I need to until we see rain from the heavens descend on your people. And as you can imagine, if you're there, you're watching this go down, you're thinking, oh, my dear Lord, what is he doing? How long is he going to be trapped in that circle of his there? Uh, how, how long are we going to have to wait around to see, you know, how long he's going to give up? But 
After a few moments, the story goes, um, as people were watching and guessing and wondering and maybe even mocking, the people began to feel the first raindrops from heaven hit their foreheads and the palms of their hands. And all at once, this, 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 uh, this sense of disbelief or this sense of wonder turned into, uh, turned into a sense of expectation and a sense of joy. And the, 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 the attitude of dis- disbelief turned into shouts of celebration because rain was literally falling from the sky, more so than it had in some time. But then Honey returned uh, to his prayer, and he said, God, not for such rain have I prayed, but for the rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. He said, God, we're asking for an outpouring of rain right now. And so all at once, this gentle sprinkle turned into a torrential downpour. And all across the land, they were, had, you know, raindrops the size of eggs, you know, hitting them all around. And the story goes that it was raining so hard that the people had to, to, to run up to the Temple Mount in order to escape the flash floods. And the rain was literally filling the pits and the cisterns and the caverns. But then, but then Honey, he, re, he refined his prayer one more time, and he went back, and he said in a, third, in a third wave, a third movement here, he said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. And then from there, this torrential town, downpour turned into this, this, this beautiful rain shower, the sun was pushing through the rain, and it was clear to all there that God was flooding their hearts and flooding the land with just a tangible sign of his goodness, his graciousness, his favor, his blessing upon their lives. And, and that was a day that, that was significant in Jewish history, and that was the day um, they remembered God had honored a bold prayer and brought a miracle on the behalf of the people from one man who was willing to get on his knees and to pray as long as he need to until God came through on, on a level like that. And as you can imagine, um, there were people that still didn't like this idea. Um, those guys are all over Scripture, if you haven't seen them before. Um, the Sanhedrin criticized this act of prayer, saying, no, 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 what are you doing? That's just... Uh, that's just too bold. You can't just draw a circle around yourself and wait in the circle. Um, but even their, their, their best arguments couldn't stand up to the fact that rain had touched the ground when it hadn't in a long time. And the people of God were celebrating God. And it was the day that, that puddle jumping became an act of praise and worship before the Lord. And they celebrated the goodness of God and, and the fact that God would honor a bold prayer like that. And it's a cool story, and it, it teases us up to this place where we have to get today that this just whole idea that bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. And we're moving into a season where that's increasingly important, that we pay attention to how we're praying that we pay attention to how we're praying. 
through paying attention to what we're doing. And if I ask you that question, what is the boldest prayer you are currently praying? It might take some of us a while to really to think about that, uh, because if we did a survey around the room, there might be some very specific bold prayers here. But I'm guessing for a lot of us, when it comes to the things that are on your heart, the things that you come before the Lord with, um, we have... And I think in a lot of ways, sometimes it's easy to drift back to this timid, shy, small, puny, just kind of easily attained prayer life. God, I'm not praying for a whole lot of bold things right now. What I'm praying for is a lot of things that are, you know, you know, pretty achievable, right? And, and, and if we took a survey across the room, I think it would be easy for us to, to acknowledge that we have a tendency to default into into small, timid prayers. But do you, guys, do you guys realize that God is looking for the people who are carrying the bold prayers of his heart and are not afraid to voice them? And it's important that you understand and that we understand here that God is not offended by your biggest prayers and your greatest dreams of your heart. He's not offended by that. In fact, in fact, I think he's offended by anything less because what God is looking for is a people who live in a way and set themselves up in a way that require divine intervention where the omnipotence and omniscience of God can meet us in our finite state where it's no, it, it's, it's, there's no wonder that at the end of the day, he wants, he's looking for people that are praying the type of prayers where there's, there's no wonder, it's very clear, plain as day, that when that prayer is answered, it had nothing to do with us, it had everything to do with the glory and faithfulness of God. He wants us to set ourselves up for him to break through. And I believe that's what he's inviting us into, is deeper faith. He loves meeting people in a way that requires divine intervention. One of my favorite stories, a couple years ago when we were in Brazil, we met this woman uh, who was uh, a little later in life. She was, I think, in her 60s. Her name is Edgemaya Williams. I think we have a photo of her. Beautiful woman. And we got a chance to actually have a dinner with her. And she told us some of her story, um, that later in life she became a widow. And she was praying and and she felt the Lord had just started depositing just new dreams and just new desires in her heart uh, for this next season of life. And, and what that involved was um, she uh, had something stir up in her heart for a specific slum in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. This slum is called Dona Marta. We visited this slum, this favela. And later when she was in her 60s, this, this slum had become the most dangerous, violent, crime-ridden, um, drug-heavy, you know, sex-trafficking uh, neighborhood, favela in all of Rio de Janeiro. But something inside of her, when she would go into this place, when she would walk by, when she would drive by, something inside of her just knew, just something was surfacing, something was percolating inside of her, and she knew in her spirit, the kingdom of God must come to this place. These, these people need to know the love and the power of Jesus Christ, and and so in kind of a foolish act, she decided to just move into the neighborhood. And she had friends try to talk her out of it. So what are you doing? You're, you're not young anymore. You're not doing that anymore. You're foolish. You're going to move in there. You're going to die. You're not going to stand a chance in here. You, do you realize what you're getting yourself into? Why don't you just go volunteer somewhere else, right? Why don't you just go volunteer in, in another place? You can have kingdom impact over there. And she said, you know, 
something inside of her knew. She's like, I had to go where these people were. Something inside of me, I had to go inside. And, and so she packed up all their stuff, and she moved into this neighborhood. And she went on to say, and this was in 1990, she, she went on to say every night and every day she would get up and she would go and walk the streets and walk the sidewalks all the way up this mountainside and, and weave in between all these houses and the huts. And her prayer was, Lord, would you let your kingdom come here? God, this is your, I'm just going to state claim that this is your land. This is your neighborhood. These are your people. And I'm going to pray as long as I need to for them to know your goodness and your faithfulness in this place. And every day she would give herself to this. And, and, uh, and along the way, as she was walking around this neighborhood, people in the neighborhood would mock her and throw curses at her. The witchcraft and the witches in the neighborhood would just, they would just throw things at her. Um, they would hold guns up to her face. And mysteriously, the bullets would disappear from the gun as soon as they were trying to pull the trigger. Imagine that, right? But she would do this, and she said this was not easy because she knew that she had been caught up into some kind of dream or promise of God that he was asking her to play a part in, but something inside of her was just terrified, and she said that every night she would lay in her bed just trembling, just shaking, like, what am I doing? This is the, this is the, the dumbest thing I've ever done. I've totally missed it. God would never ask me to do this. What am I doing? And she would just lay in bed, just literally shaking every night, because she doesn't know at what point someone's going to knock on the door and say, this is it. You're done here and put a bullet through her head. But she was determined that the, the kids in that neighborhood would experience a different future. And we fast forward, within 10 years, because of her, one woman who was bold enough to walk this neighborhood in prayer, because of her, Donna Marta turned, in 10 years, from the most dangerous slum in all of Rio de Janeiro to the safest and the highest percentage of believers, the kids were being taken care of. Education was on the rise. Kids were being fed. It went from the worst to the best because of the prayer of one bold woman. <laughs> because a woman, she wasn't using any excuses. She wasn't afraid about her age. She wasn't afraid about what she lacked. All she knew is she had a promise of God and the dreams of God in her heart. And that's what I believe that God's calling us into. You see, journeying with God involves us circling our families, circling our kids, circling our church community, our region with prayer and bold prayers rising up inside of all of us. And, and I should say this before we get any, any further. When it comes to praying boldly and this whole idea of drawing circles, I want to be clear with what I'm not saying, all right? Because this has been, uh, there's just been too many versions of this message that have gone out in, in our lifetime. Uh, be very clear. We are not saying that God is a genie in a magic bottle, okay? Can, ever, can we just get an amen across the room right there? That's not what we're talking about. Your wish is not his command, all right? It's not the thing where you rub the lamp and my first wish is a thousand more wishes, right? That's not what we're talking about. He is not a cosmic vending machine where if I just get enough prayer quarters, I'm going to throw them in the vending machine and hit E5 and whatever that is, bam, it's mine, pulling it out the bottom. That's not what we're talking about. 
Uh, we got to get this idea of the stubborn toddler holding his breath until he gets what he wants. That's not what we're talking about. So if that is in your mind right now, just remove that, all right? Erase, hit delete on that right now. We're not talking about a stubborn toddler holding his breath. What we are talking about is those who have assumed their identity as friends of God, being filled with the mind of Christ, and responding to Jesus' invitation in John 15 when Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, because servants don't know what the master's doing. Therefore, friends know what the master's doing. And then he goes on to say, so with that said, as friends, filled with my mind and my heart and my desires and my dreams, I want you to ask in my name whatever you wish and it will be given to you. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. And so this is a place reserved for those who are friends. It's a place reserved for a confident bride of Christ. Do you guys realize God is coming back for a confident, radiant bride? He's not coming out for a timid, shy, weak bride, church. He is preparing us and making us radiant, and he's, he's growing us up in confidence in who he is and who we are in him so that we're shining and we're radiant. And that has to reflect itself in the prayers that we pray. Come on. And so this all starts, this whole idea, this whole kind of metaphor of drawing prayer circles, this all starts with us first discerning what is the will and what is the wish of God's heart. What are the things percolating in the heart of God and what are the things that he's given to us to walk out, right? And so um, I got to move through this stuff really quick and I'm going to just... Start going at a faster pace here because we need to get to our, our next meeting after the service. But let me just kind of uh, go through a story in Scripture I believe is a circle maker type story, all right? Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Joshua chapter 6. If you've ever been in Sunday school, this is one of your favorites, all right? Joshua and the wall of Jericho. This is a good one. Love, love my man Joshua, right? And I'm just going to read a few passages here. We're going to start in 6. I'm going to probably going to bounce around. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, and when all the people shout, shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. And it goes on to talk about how this played out for them and that, that Joshua and the people actually started circling and encompassing this city and said they caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city. Don't you love that idea? They caused the presence of God to surround the greatest problem in front of them. We're going to circle this thing, and the Lord is going with us. And it's one of those stories, I just it's always just comical because it's, uh, it's just one of those things, it's really clear that God is trying to tell us, listen, my ways are going to be way different than your ways, all right? So you have a bunch of trained warriors, you know, who are ready to scale some walls. They're ready to do the flaming arrow thing, right? They're ready to get the battering ram out. Let's kind of knock down some doors. 
Or even a Trojan horse would have done, right? Let's just do a wooden horse and sneak in, right? But God's strategy in this particular circumstance was so much different. He said, no, 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 here's what I want you to do. I don't even want you to open your mouth. You're just going to walk around the perimeter, and you're going to circle this bad boy. And you're not going to say anything for a week. I don't need your words right now. What I need you to do is take a look at what I've given to you. See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. And so you just imagine as they're circling the city, every, every lap growing in confidence, wondering what's about to happen. And so 13 laps in on that seventh day, they raise up a shout. And we see that God delivers on his promise. Those walls came down, just as he said, when they did what he told them to do. What I love about this story is it's not just about Jericho. It's not just about the strategy God gave them for Jericho. You see, when God met Joshua in the beginning of in Joshua chapter 1, it says that, that, that God gave Joshua the same promise that he gave to Moses. And he said, said to Joshua, listen, I'm telling you the same thing I told my servant Moses. The same promise I gave to him, I'm giving to you. And that is, every square inch of land your foot steps on will be yours. I gave it to Moses, I'm giving it to you. And so when Joshua was circling this thing, when he was going around Jericho, this wasn't just about Jericho. What he was doing was he was circling a promise of God that had been around for hundreds of years, that he knew nothing about its origins. All he knew that God had given it to him and said, I want you to stand in this place and I want you to circle this thing, encompass this thing. And I think a question we have to settle here today and it's just, a, it's just a really good question for us to get at in our prayer lives is, is what are the promises you're, pr- you're praying around? What miracle are you marching around? What dream does your life revolve around? What are the things he's given you to pursue, to press after? And the thing is, we ask those questions, you know, what are, the, what are you even praying about these days? And it's funny because for some of us, that's going to just take a really long time to even think about. We're just like, oh man, I don't, even know what I'm pra- I don't even know what I'm praying about right now. But what God is inviting us into is a lifestyle of prayer where we are tracking, when we're writing down, where we're articulating, we're voicing out the deepest desires of our heart, the dreams of our heart, and the promises that we feel like he, he's given to us. And we're tracking with these things so we can see his faithfulness all along the way. When we have no idea what we're praying for, then ch- chances are we're going to have no idea when he's answering those prayers. You guys ever see that? When we pray, when we, when we settle for praying these really vague, ambiguous prayers, these really nebulous, God, just, you know, just have your way, and God, just be glorified. And, the, and those are wonderful. And we need to, I pray those prayers, and those are awesome prayers, but there's certain prayers that are so abstract that when God comes through, you weren't quite sure when or how, or, or, or it wasn't specific enough to see the faithfulness of God right in front of your face. And what he's saying is, listen, Listen, what, what, what are the things that he's revealed to your heart and your family and for your marriage, for your kids or future kids, for your career, for those things that he's put inside of you, for this land and for this region? What are those things and have you spelled those things out? Have you articulated those things out? And I think this is what Jesus is getting at later on about a thousand years later. 
in the same city of Jericho. And Matthew chapter 20 says this, And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and they heard that Jesus was passing by. They cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them telling him to be silent. But but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that a funny question? When you have two blind men crying out to you from the side of the road repeatedly. So what is it exactly you want right now, again? And (laughs) you got to imagine, well... For starters, we'd like you to heal our eyes, right? Is that not obvious? I mean, are we not, is it not crystal clear what we're talking about here, you know? And we have some of those things you're calling on God. Uh, God, would you come? Would you do this? And it's just a funny question. Just imagine encountering Jesus and, and walking up to him. And, and, and it just seems really clear where I need breakthrough right now. But there's something about Jesus. I think it's just funny that even in this passage, I think he does that with us too, where he just asks a simple question. So, so what do you want me to do for you now? What, what is that? Well, uh, I, you know what? I, I'm not sure what I want you to do for me. That's a really good question. I need to think about that for a little bit. What would happen if Jesus asked you that question? Do you know what you're chasing after? Does your heart know what it wants? Do you know the promises he's given to you? Your foundation? Because the thing is, it's not that Jesus didn't know what they wanted. He, 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 Jesus knew what they wanted. He just wanted to make sure they knew what they wanted, right? You know how sometimes we pray, but I, I, think, I think when in these times of worship, in these times when we gather, in our times before the Lord, when we're praying these really intense, passionate prayers, God, would you come? Would you just be here and do this? I, I, I do think that the voice of the Lord enters into that and says, okay, what is exactly you'd like me to do for you right now? Because when we know the answer to that question, then we're setting him up to meet us in a miraculous way. And there's something about us, there's something as believers we have to get even for this week as we're moving forward, as we're kind of journeying into the rest of this conversation over the last several weeks. I just think we need to take it as a challenge here today um, to Leave this place, and maybe right now, or maybe this afternoon, maybe later today, maybe later this week, to get very serious and get out a journal, get out a piece of paper, and start writing down what you are actually praying for. And what this actually does is it creates a history with God. It creates mile markers along the way that will remind you in future days of every bit of faithfulness that he supplied to you today. And he's inviting you to grow in boldness. Some of you today, as you leave and as you start writing down these prayers and you actually start asking the question, what am I praying about? You're going to find a couple of things. First of all, you're going to be shocked with how many prayers don't come to mind, how long it takes you to write something down on behalf of your family or of a certain situation. And it's obviously easy to pray in times of crisis, but he's asking you to dig into the dreams and the promises of your heart. So some of you, it's going to take a long time to do that. Some of you, you're going to write some stuff down and realize, wow, that's really not bold at all. It's like, God, would you just let there be no traffic on my way home from church today, you know? Okay, well, let's, you know, let's, let's just raise the bar just a, just a tad, right? 
And maybe some of the things you're asking for, you just, uh, you just there's something inside of you. You're like, I'm not sure I want to over ask, but listen to me. God has invited us into a relationship with him that speaks of his glory and speaks of his miraculous work in, in our lives. What are you asking for? Now, I was kind of doing this and trying to refine some of my prayers, and I'm still working on this, and I'm on the same journey with you right now. And I was realizing, man, I'm not even sure everything I'm praying for right now. One of the prayers I'm praying right now on behalf of my two boys is, God, I'm praying right now. Every night when I pray for them, I put my hand on their chest, and I say, God, would you capture their heart from a young age so they know your glory and your love without having to take my word for it, that they're captivated by you. Now, if any of you know pastor's kids, you know that's a bold prayer. Affectionately in the church, we refer to those kids as PKs, right? And then you've got the, the missionary's kids, the MKs. And when the PKs marries the MKs, man, it's just a recipe for disaster sometimes, right? But it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> it shouldn't be that way. And my prayer for my voice is, God, I want you to do something instead of them so there's something resolute as they're growing up. That they're not just being dragged around to church, but you're doing something inside of them that they know in their heart of hearts what it is that has captivated who they are and a love that goes beyond even what my wife and I can give to them. So I, I have a prayer, and some of us have been talking about this, a prayer for Boulder County in this region, you know. It's kind of a, a joke sometimes. People refer to it as 17 square miles surrounded by reality, right? Um, and, and we laugh and we chuckle, and that's hilarious. Um, but, man, some of us, you know, we're just dreaming about a day. When something so powerful happens in the people of God that doesn't stay in the building, that flows to the streets and, and leaks out and spills out and can't be contained, and something so, a fire so brilliant rises up in the hearts of people that it just explodes in this region where the, this land is no longer known as 17 square miles surrounded by reality, but 17 square miles filled with the manifest presence of God. <laughs> Or it becomes a pocket for the activity of the kingdom of God that people know unmistakably this is Jesus. Man, that's a bold prayer. I think that's one worth circling a few times. Some of you, man, it would just be a bold prayer for you to have confidence to even go pray for somebody on the street. Like, that would be a win. They don't even have to get healed. Nothing even has to happen in their life. you just like, I, I just want the boldness to be able to even stop somebody and give them a word of encouragement or say something. Like, that would be enough. That would be an answer to prayer right there. And that is a great one to circle. Some of you right now in your marriages, you're thinking, man, I know what God wants for this man. I know what his plan is for my relationship with my wife and my husband. And there's something inside of me that... I, I, I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop loving. I'm not going to stop pressing in until my marriage reflects the same love that Christ has shown the church. The same sacrificial love. And that means there's going to be some, you know, some times of confession or some times of you know, honesty and vulnerability like we haven't had yet. But I'm determined that we will grow in our intimacy with each other. Some of you, that's what you need to circle. And some of you, yeah, there are these swirling things these things that we're going through, these circumstances, these crises that demand that the people of God rise up in bold faith and say, no, the enemy will not have his way here. The plans of God will not be thwarted. 
because Christ is king and he reigns on high and at the end of the day he is going to get the most glory out of all these circumstances and we're determined that he gets the glory that's a bold prayer so I want to pray for us today and that's what I want to leave you with here as we leave pray about what you're praying about think about the promises of God he wants you to circle think about the dreams he's implanted in your heart that he says do not give up on that do not give up on that so God this morning I thank you I thank you for Vine Life Church I thank you for who we are I thank you for the strength and the faithfulness to weather all seasons God I thank you for confidence that comes in your name God and again I just want to say it again We gather around the only name that can save. That's the name of Jesus. We gather around the anchor for our souls, the God of our salvation, who is Jesus Christ. And this morning, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord God, as a church and as individuals, that we learn to grow in boldness because, God, we know that bold prayers honor you and you love to honor bold prayers. We thank you for breakthrough in our lives. We thank you for new miracles, God. We thank you for the articulation of all the things you put in our hearts and to give us the words to speak out and that we have the confidence to share those things with others, God. I thank you, God, for a continued spirit of, of breakthrough in our atmosphere here. We thank you for your faithfulness in this place in every way, God. And God, we do pray fervently for the situations we find ourselves in. And I pray that you would do a strengthening in our spirits and our hearts to give us all the words and give us all the strategy, to give us all the attitudes and the character and the mind of Christ to maneuver through, Lord God, to to talk to the storm and say, peace, be still. We thank you, Jesus. You've given us your very spirit. 